Welcome to the Carter Report and thanks for joining us. The program today is a continuation, in fact it's the climax of the series on Does the Church Need a Priest Today? The Jewish people have a very strange ceremony entitled the Yom Kippur. This takes place on the 10th day of the 7th month and believe it or not, it has tremendous significance to the Christian world and yet nobody seems to know about it. Welcome today to the program. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. My friend, Jesus died for the people. Never forget it. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. You see, Jesus died for the people. And that goat that is slain back there on the Day of Atonement represents Jesus Christ. And through his blood we are saved. And only through his blood can we be saved. You get this? Okay, notice what happens. So he brings the blood inside the veil. Verse 16, so he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their sin which they had confessed, and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Now we come the cleansing of the sanctuary. Verse 19. Verse 19. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood, the blood that represents Jesus. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times. And what is he going to do, friend? Uh, say it loud. Come on. And he is going to cleanse it. This is the cleansing of the sanctuary and sanctified from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Now listen to me. Try to get the picture. Outside, all of the children of Israel are there on their knees and they're doing a lot of thinking. They're doing a lot of praying and they're doing a lot of soul searching. Here is the high priest, and the high priest now takes the blood of the goat that represents Jesus, and he goes, my friend, right into the holy place. But he goes further than the holy place. He goes right into the very presence of the Almighty God, where the Shekinah glory is ablaze, and where the Ten Commandments are. And he goes there with the blood of the goat, and he sprinkles that blood, and the Bible says he cleanses the sanctuary. This is the most solemn day, the tenth day, the seventh month, indicating, my friend, the very, very last days. When he's done that, verse 20 to 22 tells us something else he does. Verse 20 to 22. Now, look at this. 
because it gets even more amazing, more amazing. Verse 20 to 22. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. This one, my friend, is not slain. Jesus is slain for us, but this one cannot make atonement for our sins because Jesus does that. But the Bible says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions, concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. And the next verse says, The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to, a, to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Listen, listen, listen to me. Here is a different goat. This goat is not slain. This goat does not represent Jesus through whose blood we are saved. But here is another goat, the adversary. And when, my friend, the sanctuary is cleansed, when the people have had made atonement for their sins, when the people are completely restored into the very presence of God, then, my friend, this other goat is taken and everything, all the responsibility is rolled on his head and a strong man takes this goat away into a place which is not inhabited. What does it represent? I will tell you what it represents. It represents how God is going to remove sin from the universe and from this world and entirely from God's people. Listen to me. We are saved. We are justified. We are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. But my friend, God right at the very end of time, is going to blot out all sin. And when God has done that, after Jesus comes, he is going to take hold of Lucifer and he is going to be thrown, the Bible says, in Revelation 20, into the bottomless pit. What does it mean, this day? This day of cleansing, the Yom Kippur, when the people, my friend, were around afflicting their souls, the Bible says they were to afflict their souls. Listen. Some time ago, I went down to Qumran with the great Bible scholar, Hebrew scholar, Jew, Yohanan Eldad. I said to him, you saw him in my movie, The Astounding World of the Prophets. I said, Yohanan, tell me, what does it mean this day of atonement? I said, Yohanan, I believe I know what it means because I've searched the scriptures. What does it mean? Oh, he said, the Yom Kippur. Oh, he said, I can tell you. He said, I don't think you'll agree with me. I said, tell me, Yohanan. He said, it is the day when God opens up the books in heaven. I said, are you kidding me? He said, I believe, he said, it represents the great day when our names come up in judgment. He said, I believe, he said, we call this time the days of awe. He said, when those days are finished, 
God closes the books of judgment and seals his people. I said, do you really believe that? He said, I believe that. I said, Yohanan, that is the very thing that I believe because that is what the Bible teaches. That is what the Bible teaches. He said, do you believe that somehow the Day of Atonement is somehow, he said, tied in with our last days? I said, of course. He said, then we think the same. I said, we think the same because it is what the Bible says. Now listen to me. Listen to me. The tenth day of the seventh month, the blotting out of all sin from the universe, the punishment of Azazel, the blotting out of all iniquity, the finishing of everything. This day, my friend, represents the end of all things, the last judgment, the blotting out of sin, the cleansing of the universe, the punishment of Satan, the day, I say, of final reckoning. Now, I am going to give you the strongest proof of all. I want you to come now to Daniel 7. My friend, when you get into this book, you just seem as though you're lifted up above the, the, the doubt and the smog and the fear, and you feel that you're in the very presence of the Almighty God. We are, my friend, tonight. We are in the presence of God. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is here tonight, and God is leading us into truth. Jesus is here tonight. Jesus brought you here. Daniel 7, verse 4. The first was like a line. What's that? Oh, you know all of this. We're not going to go through this. In Daniel 7, you have Babylon, Medo-Persia. Then you have Greece, and you have Rome, and then you have the papacy. But then notice something else, please. Notice verse, verse 8. Verse 8. You got that? As I was considering the horns, there was another horn, a little one coming up among them. All right, my friend, there is the Antichrist who arises in 538 and who goes through until what year? 1798. Then, friend, notice this. Now, now, please, please, look at this. Verse, verse 9, 10. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool, his throne like a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. My friend, this is the great almighty God. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court, the court was seated. The books were open and then Verse 11, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, its body destroyed, given to the burning flame. Listen, listen to me. Look over here at the black. How can we? Can we lift it up just for a moment, man? I want the folk to see this. And as they're lifting this up, let me tell you something. Follow this. In the Scriptures, Daniel 7, 
Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, the rise and the reign of Rome, the church, 538 to 1798. And then as Daniel is watching in spellbound fascination, he sees in heaven and he sees the books opened. People say there's no such thing as a judgment. Rubbish. My friend, there is a judgment because Daniel saw the judgment and he saw the books open and he saw the throne and he saw the great judge. And the Bible says in the KJV, the judgment was set and the books were opened. The Bible says it. Now, come to another verse, 25 to 27. This is thrilling. This is amazing. Now we're into the great truths of the Bible. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, persecute the saints, intend to change the set times and the law, change the Sabbath. Then the saints shall be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. That brings you down to 1798. Then it says, notice it, but the court shall sit. You see that? The court shall sit and they shall take away his dominion. Verse 27, then after the court has had its session, then the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. My American brothers and sisters, I have a message for you tonight hot from the throne of God. Look here. Daniel 7. Notice it. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, Papal Rome, the judgment the opening up of the books, and then the end. That is why, my friend, a part of the three angels' messages says, the hour of his judgment is come. And that message arose in 1844 at the close of the 2,300 days. Now notice, Daniel 8 you know it from last night. Babylon was gone. Medo-Persia, the ram, the goat, the little horn. And then the Bible said, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. The cleansing of the sanctuary, followed by the destruction of the Antichrist. These two chapters are parallel passages. This one here repeats this here. And instead of saying the judgment, it says the cleansing of the sanctuary. And that is why God raised up a movement in the last days that would be a restoration movement that would proclaim the whole truth to get men and women, my friend, ready for the judgment through the cross of Jesus Christ. And true faith is manifested by obedience to the commandments of God. Make no doubt about it. Listen. Incredible it may seem, 
It is the very word of the living God. The Bible says, unto 2,300 days, then the cleansing of the sanctuary, then the vindication of the truth, then the unmasking of the Antichrist, then the complete restoration, then the three angels' messages. I say tonight, my friend, this scripture indeed tonight is fulfilled in your ears. The message is here tonight. And the Bible says, my Protestant, my Catholic friends, that right there, right there before the end of time, Daniel looked up into heaven and he saw a judgment that took place before the coming of Jesus. And that ties in perfectly with the day, the Yom Kippur, the tenth day of the seventh month, which back in the days of Israel was followed by the great feast, the Feast of Tabernacles that represented the end. Listen, friend, today, tonight, we are living not at the end of time. We're living in the time of the end. We are living when God's last message is going to the world. And we are living in the time of the pre-advent judgment when God is unmasking the Antichrist. When God, my friend, is finishing his work in the heavenly sanctuary. The Bible says there is a heavenly sanctuary. And when it says unto 2,300 years, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. It was not talking about this one. This was only a copy of the heavenly one. The Bible says there's a heavenly one. And I want you to come to 1175, Hebrews 8, verses 1 and 2. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, not man. My friend, that great tabernacle that you've seen tonight, drawn by my Australian friend back in Sydney, that great tabernacle, my friend, was a copy of a great heavenly tabernacle where Jesus Christ is our high priest and the Bible says that in that great heavenly tabernacle filled with millions of angels a tabernacle so splendid my friend that we could never conceive of it we can never imagine its glory in that great throne room of God the Father Almighty. The Bible says right before Jesus comes, the books are opened. The books are opened. And when the books are of God are opened in heaven, in this great judgment of Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Leviticus 23, Leviticus 16, when those books are opened, God raises up a movement to go to the world and shout, the hour of his judgment has come. Worship Jesus. Keep his commandments. Keep his Sabbath. And here's the message, my friend, that unmasks the Antichrist. How much plainer should it be to you? My friend, God could not make it plainer. What should we do? Number one, you and I are to prepare for God's judgment. 
The Bible says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You and I ought to prepare for the judgment. Can I tell you how to prepare? The only way, my friend, that you can stand the searching scrutiny of the judgment is through the blood that was shed for you on the cross. That's the only way. You know the story of the Passover lamb? God said the night before they left Egypt, he said, go and put the lamb on the door. Put the blood of the lamb on the door. He said, when I see that blood, I'm going to pass over. And the people, my friend, who applied the blood, the angel of death passed over, and they were safe. I want to say to you, have you got the blood of Jesus Christ on the door? Have you got the blood on the door of your home? I want to ask you, have you got blood on your children, the blood of Jesus? Most importantly, have you got the blood of Jesus Christ on the door of your heart tonight? What we need more than anything else is not so much talking tonight. We need the blood of Jesus Christ on the door. And then we need to do something else, my friend. The Bible says, Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Faith is the root. Obedience is the fruit. And when a person comes to Jesus Christ, if his faith is genuine, he will bring his life into absolute harmony with the teachings of this book. David said, I made haste to keep all your commandments. My appeal tonight is this. Get the blood on the door. And number two, get the law on the heart. Get the blood on the door and get the law on the heart. You know, friend, life is very uncertain. My wife and I sometimes, when we're over at the church, we uh, go to the shopping center of Safeways. There on Saturday, young man was working on his motor car. Somebody pulled up in the parking lot there and shot him dead. He would never have thought of it. There were seven murders in Fort Worth over the weekend. It is one of the most uh, crime-ridden cities in the world. Life is uncertain. I hope that young man who was shot on Saturday had the blood on the door and the law in his heart. I want to say tonight, don't put it off till tomorrow. Because as I told you folk during that service on Sabbath, we don't have tomorrow. We have today. My earnest appeal to each of you tonight is this. The blood on the door and the law in the heart. Not tomorrow, today. Oh, my Father, we're bowing our heads here now. We've been stirred very much tonight by this great prophecy. It's an incredible prophecy. A prophecy written down thousands of years ago, written for us. We've traced it right down, Lord, 
We've come down to the time of the end when God has a restoration message going to the world. And at the same time, he has a great judgment going on in the heavenly sanctuary. A great judgment which takes dominion from the little, little horn, vindicates the people of God, and brings in the eschatological kingdom. Oh, we say tonight, hallelujah. We believe that the coming of the Lord is right at hand. And tonight, Lord, we will not say tomorrow. Tonight we will say now. As we're praying, Lord, please visit us as you have on so many occasions. I couldn't let these people go home, Lord, without some indication. Speak to them, Lord. May all those who want to say yes to Jesus tonight and yes to his law and to his last day message, may they, as I'm praying, may they raise their hands to you. May they lift up their hands with mine tonight. I have my hand up, Lord. I want to be there when Jesus comes. I want to follow God's whole message of truth. And I want to be there. Bless this audience. I can't even see their hands tonight, Lord, but better still, you can see their hands and you can see their hearts. Oh, tonight we're saying not tomorrow. We're saying now, take us, Lord Jesus, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.